Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Mighty Boy Chi-Chi, a sex expert a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. You're listening to another edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. And I have Paul with me tonight. Hey, guys. <laughs> and I'm Ladyboy Gigi. Our topic tonight, we're doing a mini-series on sexual issues. And we're following Patty Britton's, Dr. Patty Britton's book on sex coaching and covering some of the issues she covers in the book that are pretty common issues that people have. And tonight's episode is for males on dating and social skills issues. Developing better dating skills and social skills. How to, if you're single and you want to find a partner, some of the tips and techniques that can perhaps help you out with this. I know that for me, Dating was a mystery, <laughs> and it, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. It took me a long time to discover where I fit in this world, being bisexual and polyamorous and being kind of different, being intersex even was a big issue for me, and how to overcome some of that and work through it to find partners that were kindred spirits. But before we go into the details, I'd like to cover some of the things that 
may be kind of difficult for people, especially when you're first starting out in the dating world. I think one of the big issues is being shy or being an introvert. And sometimes, and I don't want to confuse the two, they are very different things. One can be extroverted and shy, and one can be introverted and very socially adept. <laughs> it just depends on your situation, but shyness is easy to overcome. Well, I say easy, um, I was shy at one point in my life, and what I discovered to overcome shyness was to find people that had similar interests and to focus on the interest instead of focusing on my own awkwardness or my own things. I'd stick to focusing on some of my interests. And that really helped me overcome some of the stumbling blocks. <laughs> But anything you want to add, Paul, before we dig in? Yeah, I I know that for a lot of people, and we'll go more into detail in this as well, but I know that for a lot of people, most of my friends are neuroatypical people, people who are either autistic or have ADHD or some other kind of something that makes them their brains work differently than most people and for a lot of people that can make it really hard to know how to approach other people and and talk to them and we'll get more into how to overcome some of those things as well i'd like to share a little bit of a story i know that for when I first came out of high school and young adulthood, I was very down on myself. I'd, school was a nightmare. I was told, don't even think about college. And I didn't, I don't think I even really passed my classes. I was kind of pushed through the system or I just barely squeaked by. And part of it was because I was severely dyslexic and ADHD and it was school grade school was very difficult <laughs> and I even got a lot of therapy and remedial work and learned multi-sensory learning and a whole host of things to overcome some of my learning differences but the one area that they didn't really cover well was social skills and I know that for people with ADHD and dyslexia and other learning differences, social skills can really be hard to navigate, especially when it's kind of masked up behind learning differences. And I think one of the things that really kind of helps is to be able to love yourself first and accept yourself as you are, and be authentically you. I think these are some of the things that really helped me through and helped me really open the door to meeting others and finding partners and having good sex. <laughs> it was a lot of work I had to do to be able to love myself. 
And one of the things I did that really helped a lot was I took myself out on a date and I did everything I would have done for another person I did for myself on this date, including sex after the date. And I took myself out and had an extra good dinner and uh, did things that I really enjoyed doing. I went dancing and because at the time I was in taking modern dance and just did a lot of things that felt good and I enjoyed. After I got back home, I took a nice luxurious champagne bubble bath and kind of pampered myself and I lit candles and incense and and had solo sex for a couple of hours. I took my time and really made love to myself. I think that going through this process, it helps you kind of get a clue as to what you like on a date and what you what really turns you on sexually. And getting to know what turns you on helps you to be able to communicate that to a potential partner. I think that can be such a big help. And it also cuts through some of the awkwardness of a date when you've never been on a date before. Anything you want to add, Paul? Yeah, definitely. I know that Gigi's had me do that this exercise. And one of the things that I really found as I went through this process, it felt a lot different than doing things for self-care. I mean, there are definitely times that I do things for self-care, but a lot of the time when I am pampering myself as a way of self-care, I'm really in a place where I'm mentally exhausted and I kind of just turn off my brain and focus more on what I'm feeling and and relaxing. And when I took myself out on a date, I felt a lot more engaged with myself and I was finding different things about myself that I really liked it have some sort of musing idea about something and I would say to myself wow that's that's really fascinating and it helped me to take interest in my own interests and really made me feel confident in in a way that was refreshing at the time so I think it's a very very good exercise to do and while I did my first date, I mentioned taking a bubble bath with champagne. And and I think hygiene is something that is very important when you're dating. You want to clean yourself up good. And I know a lot of guys, they don't think about body hygiene very much. And that's really important when you're going out on a date. Brushing your teeth having good breath. You don't want to be kissing someone and when you hadn't brushed your teeth in a day or two. <laughs> it's like you want to be clean and fresh and, and vibrant. And I think the process of good hygiene helps make your body more vibrant and more appealing to others and to yourself. I know that when I take a shower and I take time to shave and 
definitely if you're going on a date, a lot of guys don't think about their fingernails, but if you want to get frisky with someone, having clean fingernails, will you don't want to give someone a yeast infection. So take time to clean under your nails, maybe use moisturizer, put lotion on your skin, make your skin nice and soft to touch. Things that you might not do, like if you're taking a shower to go to work or things like that, you kind of get it done fast. But I think when you're getting ready to go on a date, taking extra time to make sure your hair is clean and your nails are clean and your breath smells good and you're really at the top of your game. And like when you go through that process, you feel refreshed and clean and you're thinking clearly and it it really will shine through not just in their perception of like your body and odor but like the confidence that you carry like having gone through that will also carry you through a date and one of the things i do is i take a ritual bath for special events and a ritual bath is a little different than just your normal day-to-day jumping in the shower or bathtub. It's really giving some time to raise a little bit of erotic energy before your date and getting that good energy flowing in your system. It's also about looking at kind of projecting a successful outcome to the state where you're going out and you're being authentically yourself and just learning about another person and seeing yourself go through the process of dating another person while you're bathing can kind of be a good rehearsal to a successful date. Another thing that I would suggest in that time is a good time to do it. A lot of times, especially if you're nervous about your date, people tend to think about the worst things that could happen. Oh, what if I say the wrong thing? What if I I go to push their chair in for them and I accidentally knock them to the side or whatever? Um, and that's a thing that a lot of people do. They tend to catastrophize things but taking time to tell yourself like not only is this going to go well it's going to go amazing you know the person i'm going out on a date with is going to find me charming and attractive and and we're going to have great conversation like build yourself up and like psych yourself out to to be prepared for the best date you've ever had in your life. I think that's another good uh, tip. Along with that is being able to share a little bit of yourself and be a little vulnerable with the person you're meeting. And if it's a first date, you don't want to go real deep. You want to gradually reveal parts of yourself. And then listen. A lot of times, especially with guys, they tend to want to talk a lot and dominate the conversation. And open the door and listen and 
ask questions and really discover who this person really is. That can be amazing. And I think it would be appreciated by, I know if I was to go out on a date with some guy and he was kind of all into himself and not really very inquisitive about who I am, I kind of think, ooh. And so taking some time to just discover who this person is and and what are they all about can be, and it's a good way to compliment someone without a compliment, so to speak, just to hear them and be fully present with them. It really makes a whole big difference. And it will shine through in your energy and in how the date comes out. I would also suggest most of the time that people go on a date, they know something about the person they're going out on a date with. Like if if it's a date that you found on a dating website, normally they have a profile and it will list different things that they're interested in and into, or if it's someone that you're an acquaintance with that don't know very much about, but you might know what they do for a living, you might know, you know, who some of their favorite authors are. I would suggest taking time to educate yourself about those things, at least to a level where you're familiar enough to ask good questions and Know who their favorite author is. Maybe pick up a book by that person, and don't don't try to play it off like you already knew it. You know, mention like, oh, you know, I saw in your bio that you're really interested in this writer. So I I read such and such book, and I I thought it was fascinating. Here's some of the things I liked about it. And then going back to what Gigi was saying earlier, then ask then ask questions and give the uh, ask open-ended questions where they can expound a lot and really really show interest and things like uh, making eye contact but also making sure that it is soft and organic and not off-putting eye contact kind of jumping ahead of ourselves a little bit Maybe you're at a position where you don't even know where to meet people yet. And that can be, I know I was in that position for a long time. I didn't know where to meet people that would really jive well with me. And it was, took me some time, but I discovered that I was very much into art and sculpting and photography. And so I joined some groups that were into the same thing and met people that had similar interests. And that makes a good starting place to meet people that maybe have something in common with you. Some common ground is a good place to start. There will be differences with anybody you date, but to start with the common ground really kind of opens the door to discovering some of the things where you're different. And both are very excellent ways to get to know and see if you're very, if you're compatible with that person. It really makes a big difference. I remember one time I went 
I had a girl I was going out with, and I think it was on the fourth. We'd had sex several times. We had sex, I think, on our second date. <laughs> and so by the fourth or fifth date, I said, well, I think it's time I come out and let her know I'm bisexual. And so I told her, and she took me upstairs and had really passionate sex with me and then dumped me. <laughs> and she says, I don't date bisexuals, but I wanted one more good lay before I let you go. <laughs> and so it's good to kind of be authentically yourself and be open. And, cause, and I like to do it after that. I started doing it from the word go. I said, you know, I'm bi, I'm... I'm intersex, I'm this, I'm I'm dyslexic, ADHD. How do you feel about all these things? And Because you don't want that kind of weird, shocking surprise. You want to be able to meet a person and not waste a lot of time on somebody that's the compatibility isn't there. So I think it's good to be kind of open and upfront about what you're into. Now, your story may be totally different from mine, but that's okay. Whatever your story is, let them know. Feel them out and talk to them about it because that can be a good way to really test the water, so to speak. Any thoughts on that, Paul? I mean, I always kind of put, I've always worn my heart on my sleeve, I've always kind of put myself out there ver early on with people. And I think that that is a really, really good thing. I know, for example, people used to think that it was a really bad idea to talk about politics or religion on a first date. I think that a first date is the perfect time to talk about your religion or politics or anything like that, that might be sticking points because if you really like start to fall for someone and then find out that there's something about them that's completely incompatible with you like it's gonna cause a certain amount of heartbreak like you might realize you're not able to date them but if you've already started having feelings for them like it can be kind of jarring so, yeah, I do think that it's a very good idea to talk about the important things up front. No stories about people who hadn't ever had a conversation about whether they wanted children or not until after they got engaged with someone and then they found out that they have completely different life goals and trajectories and they're engaged and the you know you you don't want that that's a very poor time that's a very bad time to find out all of that stuff and that doesn't mean you need to bring up kids on your first date but you definitely want to talk about important things early on one of the things that has always kind of mystified me is the forces of attraction it's kind of interesting to me how I can be in a crowded room and all of a sudden one person walks in and just knocks my socks off. It's like, oh, wow, babe, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> it's like, 
Ah, oh, that is somebody rare. And I think that maybe it's an energy thing. It's also partly physical attraction and partly mental attraction. And I think it's important to kind of feel attraction at some level before you even go on a date with someone. And the attraction has to be mutual. It, you don't want to try to date someone that just really has no interest in you. That can be a really difficult position to put yourself in. And so find people that you feel an attraction for. That's a good starting point to kind of determine who to ask out for a date. Because a lot of times I know that there's a time in my life where I was so tired of just jerking off and I really wanted to have sex with someone. So I thought, oh, anybody all day. And that was cutting myself short. I took the time and and it was after a few bad dates <laughs> that I finally said, okay, let's take some time, find people that I feel something for and that it's mutual, that they feel something for me, some sense of attraction. And that can go so far in really making for a good date and for a good relationship. Relationships are something to build on some type of foundation, and part of that foundation is similar interests, and part of that foundation is a mutual attraction. Any thoughts? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things, and I I think this might be changing. I, I hope that it is. But one of the things I've, most of the people I've ever dated in my life, I had been friends with for years before we ever started dating. And a lot of people don't see their friends as really a viable option, but especially if you have social anxiety issues, if you have specific kinds of neurodiversity, it can be a lot easier if you start dating someone you already know, because then you cut out the whole awkward getting to know someone the phase of a date. And I think that a lot of people, I know f for a long time I was attracted to a lot of my friends, but I just had told myself, oh, it's never going to work out with them because we've been friends for so long. And fast forward to today, and almost all of my important re relationships are people I had known for a decade or more. There is a worry about worrying that you're going to scare your friends away. But honestly, you can let someone that you find attractive that you've been friends with for a while that you're interested in them but then just leave the ball in their court and don't change the way you act towards them whether they reject you or not you know if they reject you just go back to being the friend that you always were and you know maybe they might still be on the fence about it i know with 
my most recent boyfriend, I I had been attracted to him for years and he had been asexual and I just never thought it was going to happen. But I like told him that I I had been attracted to him and I told him like I told him that like five years before we ever dated. He wasn't wanting to see anyone at that point. But, you know, five years later when he got interested again, like we kind of started flirting again and really hit it off. And it was amazing. I think you bring up a good point on friendship. And even if you're just meeting someone for the first time and you start dating... One of the things I discovered was that if you bring sex into the picture a little too quickly, it it can throw things off a little bit. It takes a little patience, but one of the things I learned early on was become friends first. Get to know the person a little bit, their interests, what they like, and do things together that you both enjoy. And become friends before you bring sex into it. Because that good, once again, it sets that good, solid foundation for a sexual relationship. If all you're basing your relationship on is good sex, and there's nothing wrong with that. I've had plenty of them that were just based on good sex. But for, if you're really wanting to find a long-term partner, take some time to become friends first. Now, there's people I've gone out with even not too long ago where we weren't really looking for a relationship per se. We were just looking for good sex, and that's a whole different story. But I think it's good to be clear on certain things in your own mind, things like, well, am I monogamous? Am I polyamorous? Am I, uh, what is my relationship? What type of relationship do I want in life? Do I want to be able to be, have the freedom to have more than one lover? And it's important to be clear with yourself and then be clear with your partner. And when I first met my current partner we were both bisexual i said you know i'm poly that's not going to change i like having more than one partner and she was cool with it in fact she liked having more than one partner being bi too and so having that conversation it's not an easy conversation to have but it's good to have that early on in your dating before you get too serious in your relationship. Another area is on, what, like Paul said, whether you want to have kids or not. Now, I never wanted to have kids, and my current partner never wants to have kids. We're both very happy being into the lifestyle we're into. But that's not to say it's wrong to have kids, it's to say, be on the same page with it. And that can be very important to have those conversations. 
Some people are very much into monogamy, and I'm all for it if that works for you. I don't think that's the only legitimate form of relationship. There are many different ones. I've experienced many of them. Having a fuck buddy <laughs> is a legitimate relationship. It's just, hey, I like you, you like me, we like having good sex. That's all we want is good sex with each other. So there's a multitude of different types of relationships you can have. Yeah, I think getting on the same page is really important. And like you said, you need to do some self-searching before you do that. But one of the things I found long ago, I didn't have a relationship until I was 25, 24 or 25. And that came about because she finally asked me. But for a long time, I thought of myself as someone who just couldn't flirt. And I was very sad about that. I thought that was what was getting in the way of me finding relationships and getting laid and all this sort of stuff. And then I realized that the reason I didn't like that is because it felt like a game. I learned that just kind of being upfront and direct about what I was interested in and what I was looking for, I could tell the people in my life like, hey, I think you're attractive. I want to go on a date with you. Or, hey, I think you're attractive and would really like to have sex with you. And just pretty much being upfront and kind of blunt about it really, really has worked a lot in my favor. And I think one of the things that causes people to not get in relationships or seek out the things they want is they think that there's this game that they have to play, that they have to flirt in the right way, and they have to flirt back, and it has to go back and forth before someone can make the first move. And I I don't think that's the case at all. I know that Hollywood and the movies give this projection of what a sexual relationship should be like, and that is pure fakery. <laughs> doesn't exist. It's not real. Real life is about sometimes you fart in bed. There's things that happen. And it's not like all of a sudden you meet this wonderful person, kiss her and fall madly in love and live happily ever after. Relationships take work. They take communication. You don't just meet someone and get lost in the heat of passion and and it's not this kind of spontaneous thing that that I mean it can happen but it takes communication and really talking together and discovering what each other is all about that's what real life is about it's not the and there's not music in the background that all of a sudden comes up and the lighting's just perfect and things all go wrong on dates. That's life. But what's really beautiful about it is that we're good at working around those things. And when it's supposed to happen, it will happen. 
And oh my, we're already to station break. <laughs> Where does the time go? I'd like to remind people that we do have a website. I've got actually three websites. One is ravenslayerleather.com. That's R-A-V-E-N-S-L-A-I-R-L-E-A-T-H-E-R.com. And on that side, I have video training programs. I've got a lot of information about sexuality. And then I have my sex coaching website, which is ggwilber.com. And on there, I've got, you can book an appointment with me if you're interested in some sex coaching. And it can be very helpful, especially if you're new to dating and you need some guidance, individual guidance. I can kind of give general guidance on this show, but to give some specific individual guidance can really transform your life. So check out ggwilber.com. And then we have, for those that really want to kind of experience, and we're not having virtual Aphrodite's temple right now, but you can sign up for it. When we get enough people and we think that the energy feels right, we'll restart the virtual temple gatherings. And in the virtual temple, we basically do a little bit of workshops around spiritual sexuality, and then we do some adult play for the second half. So check out all three, and the Aphrodite's Temple website is ladyboytemple.com. Anything you want to add to Station Break? If you're interested in the show and the our mission to give people the sex education they should have gotten in high school. You can support us by visiting our Patreon. There's a link for it on the ravenslayerleather.com website, or you can just go to patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg, and uh, you can donate a dollar a month or five dollars a month or three thousand dollars a month, whatever you're comfortable with. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And on that note, back to our topic. And we're talking a little bit about dating and social skills. One of the things I learned early on about dating was I didn't get a good sex education. And not knowing what to do once you did have that magical moment where the green light was on and, yeah, let's go. Fuck. <laughs> it's like, okay, what do I do now? 
And it's not just about sticking it in, getting off, and falling asleep. There's a lot to sexuality that can make it something that's just kind of a quick get-off experience versus really a transcendent experience. Part of it is learning about sex, learning about your own body and how it works sexually. One of the things I've developed in one of my training programs is the erotic body map. And it's a way to not only map out your particular style of eroticism, what gets you turned on sexually, and how you like to be touched, but it also is a great communication skill to share with a potential partner at the right time. And so exploring and mapping out your own unique blend of eroticism, what really gets you turned on sexually, it can go a long ways. And I've seen a lot of couples that they get into the bedroom and it's like one's communicating one way and the other's communicating in a different way and it's like it's going over each other's heads. And so I go into some specific details on how to get on the same page when you do the erotic body map. It's kind of like we each have a primary sense for learning. Well, we also have a primary sense for what gets us hot and bothered. Now, I can listen to erotic stories and do phone sex all day and night, and it doesn't do a damn thing for me. I mean, my dick stays soft. It doesn't get me turned on. <laughs> now, show me some erotic images or touch me in certain ways. I'm very tactile kinesthetic, and you're speaking my love language. What happens oftentimes is, and men tend to be more visually oriented, where women tend to be more storybook mode, auditory. And so sometimes you have to get on the same page. That doesn't mean you give up one for the other. It means you incorporate both. It's like one of the things I've done is in the past is I'll have my partner do a strip tease while I describe every delicious detail of what I'm seeing. And so she's getting the auditory while I'm getting the visuals. For tactile kinesthetic, go dancing. And you can describe for the auditory person, oh, I love the way you move, baby. <laughs> and talk about it in a sexy way. And so learning how to communicate at that sexual level at that erotic level, can be very important. Any thoughts, Paul? Yeah, as with most things, communication is very important, and learning, whether it's a long-term par partner or a new budding relationship, is very, very important. And I think learning how to communicate clearly and kind of goes back to the thing that I was saying. It's like sometimes you have to be very 
forthcoming and honestly kind of blunt about things sometimes. Because I think a lot of times people think that their partners or that, you know, a new love will automatically pick up on something kind of intuitively, which kind of dovetails into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is when you or the person that you're seeing is neurodiverse, whether it's autism or bipolar or any number of these things. Uh, I know, for example, autistic people often need you to spell things out because they see the world very black and white and they don't pick up on subtleties all the time. So you need to state very specifically like what you think, what you want, what you expect, what you think of them, things like that. And for people who have ADD, ADHD, you have to understand that if they switch topics abruptly, it's not because they're disinterested in what you have to say, it's because that's how their brain works. For an ADD person, you'll say something and it will make them think of something and then they'll think of something that relates to that other thing and they might do that two or three times. So you might be talking about your favorite book and all of a sudden they offer you a fact about bullfrogs and you're like, how did we get there? So I think that like having conversations about like neurodiversity, if, if you are autistic or you are socially awkward or you have anxiety or something like that, I think a, having conversations about that very early on is important. And it's also important to, if you find that you are out on a date with someone and they tell you that they're autistic or they tell you things like that, it's important to ask, like, well, how does that affect you? And kind of internalize that and so that you understand later in the date when they bring up bullfrogs out of nowhere or like a lot of times, I, I've got a lot of autistic friends, and outwardly, they might seem uncomfortable, but they're not uncomfortable. It's just the the body language that autistic people have is different than the body language that autistic, which is non-autistic people have. So like learning about the things that make you tick like with your neurodiversities and like being very forthcoming and upfront about that stuff and finding out what the person you're on a date with, like what their kind of neurodiversity causes in them and like how it affects them. I think that's really important too. Even if you aren't neurodiverse or different, we all have some kind of weird quirks of one sort or another. And it's good to not only learn about those different quirks, but how to work with them in a good way. It's like I had, have had partners that 
had high anxiety, and one of the things I incorporated early on was giving each other body massage to help relax and do deep breathing and together and gazing into each other's eyes and forming that connection and deeper bond before we jump into bed. And believe me, prepping for sex can make a lot of difference. You have to get in the right headspace. And getting into the right headspace means getting out of thinking about, oh, your to-do list tomorrow, or, oh, I fucked up with my boss yesterday, I'm, I'm all upset, I'm, let that go. And by doing simple things like a body massage and putting th that, and I've even had this conversation with partners in the past, visualize a big garbage can and take all those things like the to-do list and the argument with your boss, dump it all in the garbage for a night while you're on your date. You can come back and pick it up the next morning if you want to. And that way you can kind of put all that to the side mentally and then allow yourself to get into the right headspace. It's like you can't really get into a romantic sexual mood if you're all worried about 20 zillion things in life. You've got to find a trick to put that aside for a few moments. And I tell myself, okay, yeah, and I've got all this shit that I need to take care of, but that's not tonight. There's nothing I can do at this moment on that stuff, so I'm going to put it in my garbage can for the night. And I'll pick it up in the morning if I so desire. But for tonight, I'm just going to set it aside. And then I start envisioning how good it's going to feel when I'm making love to another person. And kind of rehearsing it in my mind a little bit. How is that person going to touch me? How am I going to touch them? It's not really saying, oh, I'm going to plot out a course for the night. It's envisioning how it can be successful. And there's a slight difference. It's a subtle difference. But really kind of projecting, and believe me, actors do this all the time when they're playing a role on the screen. They pre-mentally rehearse it before they ever get on stage. And that helps you become successful. A lot of people do it in their work to figure out a problem. They kind of mentally take, if you take that time to mentally rehearse and see yourself coming through successfully at the end, it prepares you for success. Any thoughts on that, Paul? Yeah, definitely. Taking the time to to visualize things going well and to visualize how how it's going to go. I think that's very, very important. And you had mentioned earlier, and it's something that we're kind of culturally trained to do, is to look at the negative, what can go wrong. And if you find yourself in that pattern, try something new. Visualize what can go right. 
and see if that makes a big difference. Just try it out. See how it works in, for you. Because I know for me it's made a huge difference. And I know that our mind talk, the things we tell ourselves, tend to be self-fulfilling prophecies. When we imagine all the things that can go wrong, it tends to bring attract things to go wrong. When you visualize everything going right, that puts out to the universe, oh, things are going to go right tonight. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So give that a try. Another thing, uh, and Gigi sort of brought it up earlier, uh, is the concept of love languages. Uh, I'm trying to remember them. I know that there is words of encouragement, there's gift giving, there is acts of service. Which, which one am I missing? Uh, I know that there's about five of them, but it, it's worth looking into and trying to find out early on, like, what are the things that, because a lot of times people assume that, like, the, the thing that they like is what other people respond to, whereas it, it's not always the case. And finding out early on if you're, Date is the kind of person that really likes words of encouragement. Oh, there's quality time as well. Words of encouragement, then spending time to like ask them what they're doing and tell them, like, wow, that's really amazing. I'm proud of you. Here are the things I like about you. Gift giving might be like on a first date, might be you're passing by a, a someone selling roses on the street and you buy them a rose or little things like that. But finding out the things that really like that your date will respond to early on and then trying to incorporate that into your date can go a really far way. That reminds me of a story I <laughs> encountered once. Mm -hmm. I had a boy that I was going out with and he bought me a box of chocolates, thinking that would really impress me. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I, I just felt so bad. I said, darling, I'm allergic to chocolate. Why don't you enjoy it? And he, he took the box. He loved chocolate. <laughs> and I think that gives a good reminder to people that, hey, people are different. Find out what they enjoy. Do a little detective work. Find out. And you can even ask them kind of when you're casually out for lunch or dinner. Say, what are some of the things you enjoy? What What are your some of your hobbies? What are some of the things that, what foods do you like? I know that there's certain foods that really turn me on. And some of them I call comfort foods. It's like when I was a little kid and my grandmother would take me to A&W Root Beer and get me a root beer float. That bring, I mean, if someone gives me a root beer float, that's a special thing. And it invokes some of those really amazing memories from my past. 
find out some of those things that the person you're interested in would invoke memories from their past and provide them with the present. And it will go so far in really giving them joy. <laughs> One good way to do that, uh, if if you know the person that you're dating, if you know their friends, ask ask their friends about them. Like, what what do they like? What what should I avoid? Like, uh, you know, what kind of foods do they like? What kind of activities do do they like? Dinner in a movie is can be a really great date, but if you don't know what kind of movies they like or, you know, something like that, you can make a mistake. And also, if you find out that they're really into art, you, you can take them to a museum instead of taking them to a movie, and that might really mean a lot more to them than going out and seeing a random movie with you. So, like, finding out what your future date really likes through asking their friends is a great way to do your research. We've been talking a lot about kind of tips and techniques for dating. I think another part of what's really important when you're going out with somebody is authenticity, being authentically you. It's going to come out eventually anyway, so why not start from the starting line and just be yourself? Don't try to impress your date. And I know some of the things we're talking about sounds like, oh, I'm trying to impress my date. No, the attitude is slightly different. I'm trying to bring joy and pleasure to my date and find out the things that would bring them joy and pleasure. I'm not trying to impress them. And there's a subtle difference, but when you're trying to impress somebody, that usually backfires at some level, at an energy level. And so take some time to really be your authentic self and discover the things that bring some joy and pleasure. And what is sex, after all, but really pleasuring each other? Pleasure can go so far and take people so many places and evoke ancient memories from our past and bring us into amazing places in our headspace. But taking the time and being who you are and saying, hey, I'm, I'm into this. I'm into, I'm, well, for me, I'm a sculptor. I'm a photographer. I'm into wild, passionate sex. I'm into just all kinds of things. And I share that with people because that's who I am. Whatever you are, whatever you're into, share that with the person. Don't try to come across as something you're not. Mm, which reminds me of one thing I definitely wanted to, to bring up before we bring the show to a close. And that's, I know a lot of people, particularly when they first 
come out to themselves as queer, or even maybe they've known that they were queer for a long time, but they've never acted on it. Those first few dates can be really, really scary for people, especially if you don't know what to expect. Maybe you're, you don't understand how queer sex works, or maybe you have some amount of internalized homophobia going on. That's a very common thing, and there's nothing wrong with you for experiencing that. And I think one of the big things for me when I really started to accept that I was queer, I know that my first boyfriend, like, I had to tell him, like, pretty early on, like, hey, look, I've never really been with a guy before, and you're going to have to take things slow with me. A lot of times when you feel awkward, talking about it can help a lot. And it might be that the person you're going out with is going through some of the same stuff. And so bringing it up, like breaks the ice so that they can talk about like where they are on their journey. Or, you know, maybe they've been fully out and comfortable with themselves for a long time, but they can remember what it felt like when it was brand new to them and how how worried they were or scared they were. And they can tell you something about like, oh, I remember when I was going through this and these are the ways I dealt with those feelings. So I know that that is a common problem and I just kind of wanted to bring it up. Which touches on another topic that's very related, and that's informed consent. It's really important when you're, because I know a lot of times you're on a hot date, you're horny, you're ready to go, all the lights are green on your side, but are they with your partner, with the person you're with? And it's really important to get that informed consent and say, you know, I'm into having really wild, passionate sex. Where are you at tonight? If it's a no-go, then find out, well, what would you like to do? And sometimes we confuse intimacy and sex. There have been times when I've gone out thinking, oh, I really want to get laid tonight. And it turned out my the person I was with wasn't into getting laid but was very much into just cuddling and being very close and intimate and nurturing. And that can be a powerful experience in and of itself. I once had a friend that was a boy. We slept together. He would get an erection from time to time with me. I would, but we never ever wanted sex or had sex. It was all about having that intimacy, that closeness, that physical closeness. We gave each other body massages. And oftentimes we think, oh, if I give someone this erotic body massage, it's going to lead to sex. doesn't have to. And sometimes it shouldn't go there. Sometimes it should just be a very good body massage full of intimacy and closeness and vulnerability. 
And by taking time and getting informed consent and saying, and it's not getting a checklist and going, are you into a blowjob tonight? Are you into intercourse? Are you into this? No, it's it's about just saying, you know, I would really love to eat your pussy out tonight. Are you into that? Or I would like to be really close and and I'd like to have wild, passionate sex. Are you into that? And finding out what they're into. And if it's not, then go with what you're both on the same page with. Because that's important and that can go a long ways in developing stronger bonds between you. Yeah, and one of the things I'll say for sure is you would rather have really great sex once y'all are both comfortable than really mediocre sex and never see the person again. And so if you take the time to make sure they're extremely comfortable and really happy and really, really want sex when it happens, it's going to be a better experience for both of you. I know that I've had times where I was really into a person and I really loved them and I was really wanting sex and it just wound up being cuddling for a long time. But the cuddling was nice and then led to kissing eventually and and it, it was a few times before we had sex, but by the time we had sex, it was really hot and amazing and beautiful. And I think that I think a lot of times when people are horny, they get ahead of themselves and it's like a, a goal, like like a finish line almost, that they don't take the time to really enjoy all the steps to, to get there. And I think a lot of people are doing themselves a dip, disservice by jumping into sex and not enjoying the journey. Which is not to say if it's right for you and it's right for them in that moment and y'all are both like extremely ready to go, like there's nothing wrong with having sex on the first date. But it's also sometimes fun to take some time and build up and talk about it and, and really build up to that point. I think another area that is really important, and we haven't talked about it yet, is foreplay. And I know a lot of guys that I've met in the past don't spend nearly enough time with the whole body. It's like, straight for the genitals, get it in, get it off. And that can really... Well, first of all, if it's a guy with a woman, a woman isn't built that way. There has to be some warm-up time. You have to awaken the kundalini. You have to awaken that sex energy within her body. If you try to go in too fast, it's all cold and turned off. And it's not going to be pleasurable. So taking the time to really experience the whole body, not just the genital sex, and enjoying each other's bodies 
it's amazing the sensations you can evoke in each other just by touching each other's bodies in different areas. And that's where an erotic body massage can be so powerful as a prelude to intercourse. And sometimes I've gotten so lost in the foreplay, we never got to intercourse. And that can be so amazing too. Because <laughs> the whole body really is a sex organ, in a sense. So take some time to explore the whole body, not just jumping into having intercourse. Any thoughts? I, I mean, I, I 100% occur like... For the longest time before we'd started training, I I had major problems with premature ejaculation. So I, at that time, the foreplay was most of what sex was for me. And I got really good with my hands and my mouth. And I was really into it. And then I would get my partner off like two or three times before I even had sex. And then my it took me like two or three minutes to get off and then i'd probably get them off one more time and that's what sex was for the longest time some of my best sexual experiences were like that i think that taking the time to please your partner is one of the most important parts of sex and it's one of the parts of sex that gives me the most pleasure and there's also pleasure in receiving from your partner before intercourse occurs, where just being touched, too often we live in such a touch-deprived society, and we need that human touch. When we touch another person, we're transferring energy. They've done studies in infants that have chronic conditions and have to be put in an isolation chamber will die if they don't receive human touch. That can be through a rubber glove if necessary. But they tried mechanical arms and that didn't do it. The babies would get sicker and die. But when they touched... There's something amazing that transfers when we touch another person. And I think for infants, it's crucial for life. But for adults, I think it's crucial for health and mental health. It really is a powerful force to touch and be touched. And so to give and receive touch is a very special gift we can give to each other. Any last thoughts? We're already at the top of the hour. I think in in general, when it comes to issues about having poor social skills or not really having dating skill, skills, a lot of times it comes down to a matter of confidence. And sometimes it can be really difficult to, to build up confidence. Um, and it's okay if it's hard for you. But one of the things that 
we we teach a lot that I think is very important is to take time to do daily affirmations, to take time to look in the mirror and tell yourself that you are good enough, that you are worthy of love, that you are worthy of a relationship, and take time to do it every day, because it takes a while to sink in. But if you take time to tell yourself that you are good and that you are worthy of love and that you are worthy of being loved, it can make a, a huge, huge difference. And recognizing the the things that might make you feel unconfident and actively working on some of those areas can be very, very powerful. And I believe in you, and I trust that you can do it, even if you're scared. I think for me, the things that I went through growing up, and I lived in a whole different world from today when I was growing up, listening to the show gives there weren't shows like this in my past. There was no advice. We were kind of, I think the consensus by mainstream society was boy meets girl, and once they get married and into the bedroom for the first time, somehow instinct is going to take over and they'll know what to do. No, sex is something you have to learn. It is, it is a skill. And it takes developing that skill on many different levels. Learning about how your body works is the starting point. And then learning how your partner's body works or potential partner's body work is also equally important. In learning and developing your sexual system doing PC muscle exercises, the Kegel exercises, on a daily basis, developing, working out your sexual body, learning about your sexual body. That is one of the greatest gifts you can give to a lover. Knowing yourself takes a lot of the awkwardness out of the first time. I know for me, the first time it was very awkward because <laughs> I had no idea how my body worked and how my partner's body worked. And we kind of fumbled around and somehow it was okay sex, but it's like if I had known what I know today, it would have been a million times better. So take that time to learn your body, your sexual body, your sexual energy. And that's one of the greatest dating skills you can have is to be able to become masterful at sexual experiences, sexual expression, how to express yourself sexually and what to do and how to do it and how to turn each other on and ignite that passion. So on that note, have a good night. Enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Touch your body and 
get in tune with how your body works sexually. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs> I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>